for many thousands of people here today, this will be an hour of decision. You will never be the same today. Who is Jesus? Why cannot we escape him? Some say that he was a madman. And yet 2,000 years later, an entire generation is talking about Jesus Christ. Is he just a revolutionary hero? Or is he something more? I want to share a brief word with you this morning because uh, there's a lot happening and, and, and it's been a few things in the service today. And this is partly, partly a preach, take down some notes, write down some ideas. I hope it helps you. But it's also partly something that is just stirring in my heart, if that's okay. I believe one of the challenges of pastoring a local church like this is, is discerning God's voice for the house. God, what are you saying to our house? So many beautiful people, so many different stories, so many... Uh, different things happening, so many challenges, some people facing pain, others living in the, in the time of their lives. God, so much going on. What are you trying to say to us, God? Because I don't want to miss what you have to say because your word always changes my world. And I want to get it. So as a pastor, while we are making phone calls during the week and choosing how to steward our resources wisely and making sure we're ready for the weekend, by the way, this next series, the Good News series, is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I just know God is going to do something in this series. You don't want to miss church the next couple of weeks. And, and I don't get any brownie points, neither do you for coming, but God's going to bless your heart. And so you don't want to miss church. It's going to be amazing. But in the midst of everything that's happening, God, what are you trying to say? What, what's the word in season? God, what seems to be the voice that if I could speak louder than social media, what's the voice I would bring to it? God, if I had the ability to, to, to generate waves across the political atmosphere, which I believe in time God will give us as a church, not so that we would become politicians, but that we would become prophets to the nation. I believe God has given us a prophetic voice to shape the outcome of the South African nation. So ask God, God, if you put a microphone in front of me today so that the whole nation of Southern Africa could hear it, what would I say? Outside of Jesus loves you, God wants to be with what am I going to say? And I believe God took me to the story in Jeremiah. It's a dynamic story. It's a powerful story. And I'm wondering if all of us aren't in a similar position today. We're all sitting on the other end of the news feed wondering what's God trying to say in all this. We're all sitting on the other end of the news feed wondering or asking the question, what do I do next? Anyone been there? I'll tell you a quick story. I was, um, I was uh, there's a title of my message. It came up prematurely, but that's the title. Tap your neighbor and say, don't panic. I was once in the Transcar. And uh, I was on a little rubber duck, a tiller arm rubber duck. There were, it was a small little four-man rubber duck, and we were in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I decided to ask my dad, Dad, could I ride the rubber duck through the ocean back to our cottage, which was a couple of k's up the coast. I was about 14 years old, all right? I had a friend who was 12 and his brother that was eight. There were three of us. We were the trifecta. We weren't much to talk about, but we were ready to go. I said, Dad, you mind if I ride this? And I begged him. And it got to a point where I think as a dad, he was just like, do whatever you want, all right? There's the ocean, get going. So he parked in his 4x4. Back then, you could still drive on the beach. He was parked on the beach in his 4x4. He had some friends in the car, and they were watching 14-year-old 
Bordeaux about to launch. I mean, I thought I was going into like one of those super duck races. Truth is I was going to get my, the teaching of the learning of the humility lesson of my life. But I climbed into that rubber duck and anyway, we pulled it out a few, a few meters into the ocean and there were kind of rocks on this side. It was like Salmon Bay on steroids. Anyone been to Salmon Bay? Anyone watched an innocent jet ski fisherman disappear into the abyss of the shore break at Salmon Bay? I have. I've helped many out. I used to do my quiet times down at Salmon Bay. And as I was doing my quiet time praying to Jesus for help, I used to spend more time laughing at the innocent fishermen turning over in the shore break. But I did help them. I laughed, but also helped and served them because that's what Jesus would do. But anyway, here I was in the trans sky and I'm on my boat and we haven't started it up yet. It's just, we're just getting started. And, and I said to my friend, jump in. So the little eight-year-old guy jumps in the front on the nose to keep it down. That's what you do. The other guy jumps in on the, on the kind of pontoon on the other side. And I'm kind of wading it through the short, through the, the sandbank, and I think, okay, now's, now's go time. And I jump into the boat. Look, boating experts, don't judge me. It was my first time. It's just what I was doing. I jump onto the boat, and as I'm about to pull the thing, I drop the motor into the shore, which naturally creates an anchor rather than a motor because it's switched off, right? So I'm now anchored on the sandbank with no experience, and a 12-year-old friend and his 8-year-old brother, the trifactor, amen. And I jump on this thing and a little foamy hits the front of the boat and foop, we're over. We're upside down. The motor's this. We're all swimming. We're like, and I look, just, I just got to tell you the story because now I'm a dad. I'd probably do the same thing. Back then, I was like, dad, what are you doing? And I looked to the shore and my dad was sitting there. He had his arm out the car. He's sitting in the room right now. I'm not going to look at him because we've moved past this moment. But he had his arm in the car. He looked across at me like this. He stuck his hand on the key, turned it on, chin, 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 chin. I heard the diesel engine fire up and I watched the car disappear seven kilometers down the coast as we lay upside down on the shore of Transcar. That's good, good parenting. You know, now there's helicopter parents. Like, don't let them do anything. In those days, my dad was like, man, if you're out there alone, it's like up to you, brother, your decision. And we were upside down and we had a flooded 30 horsepower Yamaha motor three terrified trifectors and we're back on the shore with nowhere to go and I remember getting to the shore going don't worry guys it's going to be fine it's going to be honestly nothing done this so many times flip the boats over motors like in full of sand and stuff and I start pulling it's flooded it's going nowhere I start pulling it's flooded it's going nowhere the little oak starts to run the eight-year-old he's going I'm running home we're not going to stay it's getting dark by the way it's sunset you know it's like conditions couldn't be worse sea's coming in it's dark I'm pulling the motor and I'm realizing that there's an immense amount of anxiety and panic is kicking in and in all the fear that I was experiencing I look at my friend, I'm like, hey, don't panic. I remember him looking at me going, what's your plan? With what kind of confidence do you suggest not to panic? We're seven kilometers from home in the Transcar on a little rubber duck with an eight-year-old boy that I wouldn't like to leave on the back line for shark bait. Don't panic. You know what I said next? I've done this before. <laughs> and for the next half an hour, I just committed to doing what I knew to do because I'd done it in the flat waters. I'd just never done it in the ocean, but I just committed not to panic. I've done this before. And long story short, we got the motor started. This time we jumped and I said, guys, no time to waste. We start the motor in the shore break. You hold on for dear life and we disappear onto the back line. I don't care how high we jump, how many foamies we go through. I'm not playing that other little caution game again. When we get to the sandbank, we all jump on and it's going to be okay. No, we're flying out of here, all right? So hold on for your dear laughs. But I learned a lesson that day and it was pretty powerful in that 
although I'd flipped over in the mid-break for the first time, and although I was upside down, although the motor was flooded and I had panicked friends and whatever, I had ridden boats before. I knew how to drive. I'd never been in that circumstance, but I'd ridden boats before. I'd grown up with motorsports. I kind of knew what to do. I was just in a situation that I wasn't aware of. And so I kind of learned that sometimes in life, just because the situation's different, it doesn't mean that what you've learned to know to do shouldn't be applied again. And sometimes we get so panicked by the situations, we find ourselves on the shore running for the distant past rather than getting back into the boat that we've been born to drive and driving it to the back line. Can I talk to you a little bit today about a confident people? The title of my message is Don't Panic because we're a people of possibility. God took me to a scripture in Jeremiah, and I'm not taking for, I don't want to make light of your situation. Perhaps your business is at its worst. Perhaps your family is going through some serious challenges. Perhaps your health is not where you assumed it would be. But I want to tell you, friends, there is a mandate on your life that hasn't changed. Your situation may be different, but you know what to do, and you need the confidence to get up and do it again. In Jeremiah's story, the prophet, uh, I feel sorry for Jerry, man. Jerry was thrust into an Israel nation that kind of, they, they kind of never had what they thought they would have. Like, God told them, I'm going to give you all this beauty, and now they're in the middle of nowhere. They've been exiled from their home, Jerusalem, like the, the Jerusalem, the mother city, you know, and uh, they've been kicked out. It's like everything they dreamed of. It's where their lives were built. It's, it's where their kids were raised. It's, it's kind of where stories were told. There was a nostalgia to it. There was a victory to it. It was Jerusalem, man. It was the hub of Christianity, and, and they were out. They, they were kicked out. The word is they were exiled. And Jeremiah, a prophet, which is a God voice to a nation, steps into the nation of Israel while they're in exile. In, in fact, he's the one who said, if, if certain things don't take place, you're gonna find yourselves out there. They didn't take place, and Jeremiah comes back and he's like, guys, this is kind of what I spoke about. Now we find ourselves in a situation we didn't dream of, but there's a new charge I have for you. And Jeremiah speaks to a very disgruntled people, I'm only imagining. I mean, when I read the Bible story, I don't read it like a fantasy. It's hardcore. I see humans like you and I facing troubles and trials like you and I in a land that is not far from the land that we live in, you and I. I read a Bible very close to my heart. I don't believe the God story is told up in the sky. I believe he wants to find it right now where you're at. And I read the story of Jeremiah, and he comes into this situation of a people in exile outside of Jerusalem, in a situation and season that they never expected, didn't ask for, never wanted. I wonder if it feels a little bit like where we're at right now. And I, I felt God as I was seeking him out in prayer say to me, I want you to bring a prophetic word of hope to a people that don't see it right now. I'm not saying that's you, but maybe it is. Maybe the news you read has got too much for you. Maybe the, the, the countless load sheddings have, have, have caused you to shift some ideas and understandings. And, and I'm, not, I'm not having an argument with you now. I want to just declare a word of God, if that's okay. I want to declare hope into what would sometimes feel like a very hopeless season. No, but Dill, we're waiting for elections. We don't need to, friends. We have the God of the universe on the throne. There is a word in season now. And I want to speak it to you with confidence today. This is what the Lord said, the God of Israel to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, verse 5. Tap your neighbor and say, don't panic. Don't panic. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to this. Build houses. All right. He's not wasting time, friends. He's not 
He's not confused by the mandates of a God follower. He's not, he's not softening the blow of what they're feeling, although he knows it's sore. He's not suggesting it's not real. He knows it is, but he's cutting to the chase. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find, for your, find wives for your sons. Amen. There's always a good relational romance in the story of God. Find wives for your sons because shame, the poor men, they don't know what to do themselves. So could you please give them a hand? And give your daughters in marriage because they're nervous of the men that have asked them to so just, just nudge them. Just, he's going to be all right. He's not that great to look at right now, but it'll turn out okay down the line. Don't worry. I know he's got big promises, but don't worry about that. So that they too may have sons and daughters and increase in number. Do not decrease. Tap your neighbor and say, we're going forward. I just feel like in a season, as we stand and as we as a church meet and as we have so much to be grateful for, may we never decrease. May we not shrink back. May we not decrease. May we not go back to what we know. May we believe that the best is yet to come. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, create sons and daughters that come together so that they may increase. Listen to this verse 7. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord, because if it prospers, you will too. I wondered, like, God, how often do I pray for the, the best for the city? I mean, I pray for the best for myself a lot, if I'm honest. I bless my children all the time with what I want for their lives. God bless her. She's got creativity. She's got academic brilliance. She's got strength. She's going to be the next president. Bless them. How often do I pray for the city that surrounds me? How often, do I, how often do I find myself with a genuine cry, realizing that I'm just like Israel in many ways. I'm a man in exile. This is not what I dreamt of. This is not what I dreamt of for my children. This is not what I dreamt of for diversity. Why are we still fighting? Why is there so, so much cultural uh, difference? Or, or, or segregation or whatever the word is, it's all wrong, God. What is it? And God says, well, while you're at it, I want you to build houses, plant crops, marry some people, and then at the same time pray for the blessing of those who seem to have a lot to say. I love, I love the charge. I love the church. I love how Brian Houston says, it's faced so much tragedy. It's been smashed up, broken down. It's been criticized. It's been abused. It's had, it's had the worst possible things happen to it, but the church remains the force of good in this world. Pray for the city. I wanna, I wanna bring a word today, friends. You may not even write notes, but get this in your hearts. It's time for us to lean into prayer. It's time for us to lean into generosity. It's time for us to lean into building where we don't feel we should build. It's time for us to lean into planting crops. I'm gonna touch on that in just a moment. It's time for us to lean into marrying and making families here in our nation. This is not the time to panic. This is the time to pioneer. Dill, you crazy. I probably am, but I ain't going anywhere. So stick around. It's gonna be awesome. Pray to the Lord for if it prospers, you will prosper too. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 8. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Friends, I want to tell you, if anyone brings you bad news as God's word, it's not his word. If anyone comes to you to say, I've been praying about you and I've just sensed and the next few lines are negative, ignore it. It's not God's word. 
God says, I want you to ignore the prophets that deceive you. In other words, those that seem to know the future but have hidden agendas. They're scared. They're unsure. They're not sure what to do. We were chatting about it in our home last night. Tess was just saying, you know, just this week, our next door neighbors, true story, their, 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 um, their balcony overlooks our backyard. So we're, we're close. We're tight. We're, we're genuine neighbors, all right? And anyway, they were held up at gunpoint while my daughters were playing around in our backyard. This was this week. This was just this week. And, uh, and I was in the kitchen, and my daughter came running and terrified. I could see the look on her face. She was totally traumatized. I said, baby, what is wrong? She said, da, da, da. She couldn't even get words out. I walked outside. My neighbor's standing there tied up. He's, he's kind of like shocked. He's, he's going, white. I can only imagine what's going through him, and he's screaming. They hit us. They got me. They hit us. I need your help. My daughters are running around. It's panicking. Pandemonium. You know what words I said to her? Don't panic. Don't panic. So go inside and sit down and relax. Mom, make you some tea. Dad will help you. The neighbor's going, I need you. I said, don't panic. So I'll be there now. Now, now guys, I don't have training. I'm not a loose scout. I'm not going to break some oak snake that comes around the corner. He's probably going to hurt me. But I got a confidence in me that knows unless God finalizes, it ain't going to happen. My good friend Rich McGavin recently, they went through a season of real trial with their daughter, Kiara. And there were many words that came to him to say, she's going to do this, and I see her doing that, and I see her doing that. And Rich preached a message. He said, friends, I appreciate all the encouragement and all the words. He has what I know, life and death is in God's hand. Unless he allows it, it won't happen. And so as I walked up my house that day, and I called my neighbor who is a security guard and is kind of braver than I am and is able to know what to do. And, you know, I just kind of walked behind him like, like, let me know if you see someone, all right? If you had gunshots, it's like, you know. Sorry if, sorry if you've been through this and it's traumatizing. I just, um, I'm not that brave. And, and we walked around to the house and we walked into a family that had been traumatized at gunpoint just minutes before that. And what words did I say to them? Don't panic. The devil's plan is for you to panic. Don't panic. I don't care how many gunshots go off. I don't, know how, I don't care how many are pointed in your nose. I don't care how many threats the devil makes. Don't panic. You're a child of God. You rest in his hands. There may have been some trauma. There have been things happen in my life, honestly, that I don't know how God allowed them to happen. Why did she end up in ICU? Why did I go through this? Why did we lose a child? Why did all these things happen? And I feel like God's saying, don't panic. I got this. I got this. And Jeremiah takes it up a notch. Not only does he look at the nation of Israel, God's people, his chosen people, the chosen ones. Come on, Link Church. We're sitting in a church as people that have great blessing. We have families. We have friendships. We have stories. We have businesses. We have the most beautiful place on planet Earth as our backyard. And we're sitting in all of this, and we're panicking. And I believe Jeremiah, as God, as Jeremiah would say to Israel, Jesus wants to say to us, don't panic, Link Church. Don't panic. Here's what I want you to do, Link Church. I want you to build homes. What does building homes speak of? I want you to put roots down. Now, I want to speak openly to those who have made plans to leave the country too. Can I be honest for a second? All right? If you've made plans to leave, go with freedom. We don't judge. It's your decision and we back you. All right? I'm not here to debate whether it's right or wrong to leave the nation. What I am saying is if you're here, it's time to put roots down. It's time to establish ourselves firmly in the house of God. It's not just a safe place I go when I feel like it. This is my weekly routine. It's part of who I am. It's part of connecting to the heart of God. I'm establishing myself. Though I ain't going anywhere, I'm making this place my home. 
building homes speak of, speaks of establishment. It speaks of settling into something as a, as a place, as a, as, a, as, a, as a going back to, as a meeting place. I want to establish, I want to build a home. I, I, I want to be a, a, a nomadic people. I want to be a person that is, that is settled in what I've decided. I don't want to be standing on the fence, not sure. If I am going, go and go with freedom and go with blessing and build a home there too. But if you're staying here, build a home here. Make this place your home. And in your language, friends, build a home. This is our nation. These are our people. All of them. Black, white, Indian, colored, you name it. All of them. These are our people. These are our brothers and sisters. This is our land. This is my home. Can I just preach for a little moment about a church that's confident enough to believe that we have every opportunity still before us in this nation? Build homes. Settle down. I remember that night... I spent quite a lot of time with our neighbors and uh, coming home, I SMSed my wife. I said, oh, the girl's okay. She said, they're getting there. And for some of us, we're getting there. It's okay. But I just want to tell you, this is one of the safest places to get there. It's a very settled church. We're going nowhere. We're not panicking. We're not freaking out. We're not about to change our theology or belief system. God is good all the time. Plant gardens. You know what planting speaks of for me? Sowing, putting seed in the ground. Uh, Stephen Furtick, we've been doing a series, If I Were a Rich Man, and it's obviously encouraging generosity and sowing seed. And, and uh, Stephen Furtick preached a message once. He said, you know, farmers understand seeds and harvest. And when a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't have a funeral for the seed. You know why? Because he's going to see it again in greater proportions. And some of us have, have lost our faith to put seed back in this ground. This week I heard of a group of guys, they run a local construction company. And they went to one of the beaches, a prominent beach in our area. They're not from this church. Although I wish they were, I would claim and put links in it. I'm joking, I wouldn't do it. But um, they, they went to a local beach recently and they walked into public toilets. And let's be honest, no one, no one celebrates guys. We have the most amazing public toilets in the world. And you know what they did? They went and fixed them and cleaned them. And they made them beautiful. And you know what? No one even knows they did it. I was like, I don't know about that. They're like, well, that's kind of the whole point. You know what that company is doing? They're putting seed in the ground. It's just a seed. It probably cost them 30,000 rand. But it's a bit of seed. I'm putting seed back in this, in this thing. I'm, I'm investing in local business. I'm putting seed back in relationships. I'm taking people out for meals that I haven't seen for a while. I'm putting some seed back in the ground. I don't want to stand from a distance and hope, God, that it's all going to work out. I want to build my home. I want to get my feet on the ground. And I want to put seed in the ground. I want to put investment into people's lives. I want to believe that this local church is my local house. And I want to put seed in her future. I'm going to have a funeral when I put it down. I'm going to celebrate the blessing that's going to come. And I just feel like God right now, give me a microphone, please, Julius. Give me a microphone for five minutes, Julius. By the way, he's been in Belita. I thought, man, if I just, if I could just get him for five minutes and just be an encouragement to him. If I could pray for the blessing of his family. If I could, I know, I know you thought I'd say something else, but I don't believe in that other stuff. I want to build a home and I want him to have a place to sit too. And I want to put seed in the ground and I want people to realize that my investment might win or I win, we all win. 
I want to marry. I want to have children. <laughs> Where Tess and I go shopping, we only have four kids. Some people have more. <laughs> I, I am. I, honestly, someone said to me, four kids must be hectic. I said, one is hectic. I forgot what life was like since then, so I don't know the difference. You know, they're just everywhere, all over the show. But the devil eyes we get when we're shopping sometimes. Oh, you must be so responsible, sir. Who's paying for that education? Where's that money come from? What is that all about? La, 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 la. Mark Driscoll once, he went shopping. He got five kids. Lady came to him and was like, you're so responsible. This world is in dire need and poverty and hunger. And here you are raising a bunch of children. He said, hey, listen, man, there's a whole lot of terrible ones out there. I thought I'd bring some good ones into the equation. I just want to be a church that believes that we have the possibility and the power in our hands to change the outcome of this nation. Phil Dooley, a good friend of mine in Hillsong, they have a line they use, building a church to build a nation. I want to claim it. Because that's what we're here for, church. You don't need to write down notes. You just need to catch this heart. God, get into my heart for this people. God, get into my heart for this nation. God, when I buy food at the counter and the cashier's taking time, just relax and panic. And panic. It's their home too. I know you earn the privilege, but it's their home too. And next time you're stuck in all 20 cars, traffic in Belito. I wish our municipality, no panic, sir. Stay home too. And I wonder, can I be honest? I wonder what would happen if we got over our agendas and got on with God's. Build homes. Plant crops. Raise families. And pray for the prosperity of the city. For if it goes well for the city, friends, it goes well for us. Why don't you stand with me this morning?